Hey everyone, welcome to Shift, or welcome back if this isn't your first time here. Shift is a daily podcast where the thoughts and insights presented center around shifting expectations and being in a constant state of growth. I believe that radical accountability requires true vulnerability. Hopefully you find value in the content presented, and if so, I hope that you'll visit the website togetherweshift.com and check out some of the other resources available in the tools section. Now let's get to it. So this is Shift. This is the podcast where we talk about radical vulnerability and accountability, and we challenge people to shift their paradigms. So today we're going to get right into uh, what's a relatively heavy topic and maybe one that a lot of you listening might be uncomfortable with, but uh, I'm excited to have the conversation. I think it's an important one to have. And so with me today is Cole Forrester, who is the founder of True Radical Love, which is an organization that is working towards ending pornography and helping men and women uh, realize the damages that pornography does and why it's detrimental to yourself, to your relationship, to your walk with Christ, if that's part of your journey. Um, So, yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to have you here. I appreciate you being here. I'm grateful for my for uh, my son introducing us. I think that's a really cool connection. When I reached out and was looking for looking for the right folks, um, so yeah, let's uh, let's kick it off, man. Tell me tell me who you are, how you landed at True Radical Love, or what made you f- start that organization, and and yeah, well, I appreciate it, and uh, it is funny how it, it works together, and uh, and you have an amazing son, and I love that he thought of us, you know, right when you were looking forward. And, and yeah, when we met and, uh, at our, I guess our first call or just a prep call a while back, just seen a lot of, um, just very similarities in what we're doing. And yeah, uh, sure. it is a, just a great topic to talk about. And, uh, so yeah, we started it, uh, through COVID. Um, so my full-time careers as a, uh, family financial planner, as well as like business strategist for other businesses and, uh, business was good. And, uh, it took a little bit of shift, obviously the whole economy really did. And, uh, so my wife and I really just had a little bit of extra time, a little bit extra area and then giving, uh, we'd like to give to certain nonprofits. And, um, we thought, you know, we could start putting some money towards our own cause and you know, something that we felt very passionate about. So it really started years ago of my story. And, uh, I grew up through a Christian household and, um, pornography was something that was really, um, hidden to me, you know, I, I can, I watched it and it's, uh, I felt a lot of shame and, and it, I never really even felt about maybe not watching it. It just was something that I did. And, uh, it just really, uh, got worse through college. Um, you know, got, and then it got pretty bad early twenties, but then I remember around in my early twenties, my friend shared an article and me reading that one article that, correlated trafficking, uh, with pornography, I had to decide then. I had to then say, okay, am I going to support this now that I know, or, uh, am I going to stand against it? And so that was just, and that it was, it was easy, but hard, you know, it's an easy decision to make or it's a, it's a, yeah, it's easy decision to make, but a hard journey ahead. And, uh, but it gets easier and at the same time, it's still a journey. You know, once someone uh, combats pornography in their own heart, there's still a lot of other things you start realizing that you're doing 
maybe you didn't realize before, but once you get the, the most obvious thing away that you knew was bad, you start realizing other things that you were doing. So it just led to, uh, yeah, just a lot of lot. You know, I felt very lost. I felt very depressed and, uh, had a really, um, I had a relationship that didn't go well. And, and, and all that really led me to my wife. And when I met her, I just, you know, I really thought about what I wanted. You know, I wanted my eyes just for her. I wanted all my attraction to be only for her and for no one else. And that's not what the world wants. The world wants me to want everything else. And so yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how it got started. And my wife's really passionate about anti-trafficking and, um, so yeah, just it's a really cool combination of things. That's awesome. So were you with your wife when you decided to stop watching porn or were you, was that a conversation you and her had to have, or was that, were you already kind of past that? That's a great question. So that, yeah, that, that was way, that was probably five years before we met. However, I still had issues for those five years, even though pornography itself, the websites were gone. I still thought about people very lustfully. I still had it. I still had pornography in me. It just wasn't, I wasn't supporting the the mainstream pornography. So I wasn't right on the trafficking, which that's not, it wasn't true to my heart. I was actually really hurting myself, hurting others. Um, trying to think of the shift when I really switched from that. I mean, really after that relationship failed, um, I met my wife. We just really leaned into our emotional and spiritual intimacy. And uh, we didn't want it to be about what the world wants it to be about. And, uh, but she did ask me once and it was awesome. And I'll share that as a story. You know, be expected to answer when someone asks, you know, if your spouse that you love or you would marry, I hope they ask, you know, you should hope that your spouse wants to know that versus just yeah. assuming it or versus just letting you do it. Um, and that was, it was an exciting moment for me to tell her like, Oh my gosh, like not only do I not watch it, I, and so against pornography, like it's not even funny. And uh, she'll tell the story where she says, right after I said that, she goes, oh, great. I'm uh, now dating a liar. <laughs> so, oh, which is sad to think. Women nowadays are believed that every man just watches porn. Cause you know why? Cause that's what men tell them. That's yeah. what girlfriends say when they say, oh, I, my boyfriend's watching porn. Oh yeah. You just found out. Yeah. Mine does too. It's like this normal yeah. thing that women now have to, ex that they now have to accept in quotations. Yeah. We sort of perpetuate that like it's, it's boys will be boys, right? Like that's just what they do. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I feel like this conversation is really hard for so many people because, you know, especially in America, we have this really unhealthy, you know, dialogue about sex. Like, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, I don't know where it started or how or what the Puritan views that like fuel that come from. Like, I really don't know. Um, I'm fascinated by it because, you know, we've got a lot of kids. I think you guys, do you have kids yet? Are you guys? No, not yet. Yeah. So like, we're kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like I got eight children. I got a 23 year old daughter. <laughs> I got a three year old daughter in our house. Like when I had a vasectomy, we had like open conversations at the dinner table about like, what does that mean? What does that look like? And not to like be, you know, inappropriate, but it's yeah. like my kids need to understand. I believe that our kids need to understand like what's happening and, you know, how we're not going to have any more kids. And it's not because mom and I don't love each other. It's because we're going to make, you know, this is how the biology of it works. And, you know, sometimes I'll share that with friends of ours 
or we talk about the conversations we have and, and they're sort of like in shock that we would have open conversations about that stuff. And I'm like, you know, if we have open conversations about everything, then a lot of this stuff doesn't become a stigma, right? Like, like watching pornography, like it's so, and I hear a lot of people too, they'll come to me and they'll say, well, you know, sex is normal. And I'm like, absolutely. hundred percent. Like my wife and I have a great intimate, healthy, you know, relationship with one another, but that doesn't require pornography. And, and the idea that like porn and sex are synonymous is part of the problem. Like we can have healthy relationships without that. And I think the more that we start to have conversations around it without shame and, and being honest with each other is going to be super helpful. So like, yeah, it's interesting that you say that your wife thought, well, you know, I'm, I'm dating a liar. I'm talking to a liar because like the idea that, that not watching porn is so abnormal that you just yeah. must be lying about it is a real problem. Yeah. So- and I think, um, someone said this quote really hit them hard. So I guess it was good. It's just something I thought, but um, <laughs> that sounded really uh, lame. Something I thought, no, but it's just like, <laughs> it's, uh, I was thinking, you know, today I might not be part of the 1% of guys financially. I might not be part of the 1% fitness club, the Instagram body that some dudes got. Might not be part of the 1% of intel- intelligence, but I could for sure be part of the 1% of men that don't watch porn. If that's a, a sliver of a unique type of man I could be, let, I wonder if I start there, you know, and I, that's good. I wanted to have a shirt, you know, and again, I don't want to riff on this quote, but it's like, I got 99 problems and porn ain't one, you know, we still, yeah. still, we still have a ton of problems, but we could at least make porn, not one. And, uh, and you brought up a lot of conversations about parenting, which I could, we could go down a rabbit hole with too. And there's actually so much importance for your kids to know, to have these conversations, uh, for it to not be, um, there's other things of conversation about things being anatomically correct and things like that. Just due to the fact that if your child was ever sexually abused, they would have to, they would have to, uh, you know, go through that system. So, um, but yes, I think nowadays with the advancement of technology, we're living at a time right now where the ability for humans to adapt how quickly the world is changing has now is, is surpassed. If I were to draw this graph, we have surpassed the ability for us to adapt to how quickly the world changes through social media, through technology. We, we cannot environmentally prevent our children from these things. They will see it guaranteed hundred percent. Every child will probably be exposed to pornography, will be shown by a friend. Maybe we'll go to see it. And so where are they going to go after? Are they going to go to you as a parent uh, with that open ability for conversation. Um, you know, one of our, fr- one of our young guys in the group shared that if parents viewed their children as getting bit by porn, things can be a lot better. Meaning if your kid got bit by a dog, you wouldn't blame your kid. You would be very upset about this dog that bit your child yeah. and you protect your child. So porn is out there trying to bite our kids and it's uh, we should, love our children and, and be so accepting to them. And it's always, you know, in the sales yeah. world, always how we reactively respond right away. Are we reacting in anger or, or love for them? Yeah, that's great. I love that. I, I, first of all, you make the shirt and I'll buy it. Cause I love that. 
<laughs> I think it's, I think it's a great riff on, on that. And, and it's funny. Cause I'm thinking like, so I quit drinking, I quit smoking. Like there's a guy, like, you know, I'm down to like 97 problems. So we're, we're getting that we're getting <laughs> one step at a time. But I think there's so much truth in that. Like we don't, you know, people look at addictions as this choice that people have made. Like, and I remember, I mean, I've not participated in pornography for a long time and I still like, I think like anyone catch myself going, Oh, that's not appropriate or that's not really healthy. Right. Cause it's not what we would call porn, but I mean, just like scrolling through Instagram reels lately, I've noticed young children dancing with their parents in ways that I was like, man, if I call my six year old like that, we'd have to have a conversation. And we do actually, my, my daughter, um, has this dress that she likes and she, she tied it up real tight. So it was real form fitting and it got a little bit shorter. And she came to me the other day and said, daddy, do you like my dress? And I said, no, I don't. And <laughs> that like that hurt her feelings at first. I said, but let me explain to you why, let me explain yeah. to you why I don't feel like that's appropriate for you at this stage and this season. It's not that you're not beautiful. It's not that you're not, the, but like, what is that drawing in? Like, what is the intention of that? And she doesn't know because she's something that she saw, you know, on TV or, you know, yeah. someone else. I mean, even, a, I don't know, like Nickelodeon's back. Right. And they have this, yeah. uh, they have this uh, new version of the show, all that, which when I was a kid, all that was like cool. Right. Like it was like this little sketch comedy show and, you know, probably dating myself here, but now it's back and it's got like musical guests who are like rappers and they're singing songs and i'm like um oh. that's not really good for my seven-year-old or my nine-year-old to be seeing but we've normalized it in such a way that like it is a thing that you have to have these super open conversations about or they do get bit but we seem to have this thing where like we consider the challenge that our kids go through like they're not I don't know, man. It's this weird, it's this weird balance between like being exposed to things that they shouldn't be exposed to, but we almost blame them for having a reaction to something. Right. Yeah. Like, it's definitely the gap in generation. It's a generational gap issue that we have. And that's where, you know, when teachers think about this topic, if we were to say, Hey, we want to give a talk to your kids in school about pornography, they'd be, Oh my gosh, you guys want to talk about that. It's like, it's like, we're not living in the Playboy mags anymore. Like it's literally yeah. on the phone. They're probably watching it whenever they can. Like it's and maybe that's overly extreme, but it's there. And like you're saying that, that was another thing that led to our cause. It wasn't even the fact that pornography has been so bad, which it is. It's, and it's just, it's a lot of women don't understand how bad pornography is. And now there are a lot of women that do show up pornography, but a lot of women that don't that have a husband that struggle with it. They don't get how really bad it is. And how dark and scary that world is. I mean, and I want guys need to sometimes sit there and understand that they need to really almost therapeutically understand where, what am I watching? You know, they really thought about it. They really gosh, even journaled about what, what is this? What yeah. could this do to me? It doesn't make that person, you know, doing that, you know, heinous sex crime, a monster anymore. You see them just, wow, that's someone that went unchecked. And you're right. The society wants to, sell that to our kids and, and part of a true out of love. And just so the audience knows um, we're an educational based nonprofit. We want to talk, we want to, we want to sell our cause through testimonies and through facts. 
Um, and uh, the founders, myself, my wife, and the other, and our team that helps us, we all have Christian values, meaning, and we believe that Christian values are a really framework of society, of morality. And people could argue that, and that's fine, but I believe we can have a common conversation about what's good and bad without it having the church jargon. But you're right. I mean, we want right. to, you know, we do want to be uh, set apart where we're not trying to promote, you know, good sex for a kid, like for young, like that's not, no, we believe, <clears throat> we believe yeah. in the ultimate good. We believe in, you know, teaching our, you know, I don't, I, I don't know per- perfectly know how to teach our kids down the road when we have kids, but we, I think we want to sell them how good sex is. And the fact that it's made for marriage, you know, not, you know, the whole, uh, you might get SCD or you might get a baby doesn't prevent kids from doing it. So, yeah. uh, it is a beautiful thing and, but it is honored there. And, um, yeah. And I think kids appreciate the truth and, uh, and, and the fear tactics. I don't, I just don't think they, they can work anymore. We live in too much of an information, uh, sharing society. So, yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's interesting, you know, cause the fear tactics are still used, you know, from the top down in, in so many ways and it's never worked. I mean, you know, I remember saying no to drugs and the dare program and all the things that, you know, when I was in junior high and high school and, you know, even, I mean, just all the way through to today, it's like, we aren't like kids aren't stupid, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, we, they're so much smarter than we give them credit for. And so I think those conversations are super important to have, but you touched on something, you know, that I kind of want to unpack a little bit because, you know, I think we can definitely have the conversation around, you know, right, wrong, good, bad, without having to tie it together to the church. I mean, I'm a Christian. I believe that, that it's a really good choice for people to make. I think it's, you know, something that, that I talk about, you know, often, um, and one of the big challenges of a lot of the anti-pornography movement or organizations that are within that movement is that there are a growing number of non-Christians or non-Jesus followers in our society. And that's a whole separate conversation, but it's like, I want to be able to still have the conversation of how pornography outside of that Christian dynamic is yeah. damaging to relationships is damaging to husbands and wives or men and women and you know, so I love that it's like education based because I think that's really, really important because if we're basing the argument on our faith, then, you know, a lot of times it just shuts people out and they're not, they're not even willing to talk about it. Right. Yeah. I mean, and, uh, and for our audience, that's a bigger reason why I like doing this because, you know, for a non-believer that looks at the believer, um, they wonder why they'd ever want to be a believer as sad as that is. You know, I remember someone saying there's, there's five gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you, unfortunately, a lot of people don't read the other four. And, mm. you know, I That's think, good too. Uh, yeah, it's just like, I mean, we got to be changed in, in way. And, and, and by the way, the fact that so many people are against pornography shows that there is, we are designed in a way to want, you know, there's areas of us that have, uh, we want bad, we do bad things and, and we do that and selfish intentions and all the ways this world is made. At the same time, there is good morals that people are made with that to do good. And uh, it's a beautiful thing to have conversations with people. And 
And we found in our approach, especially I know on a podcast, us sharing this might seem like it can already put a wall up. But if you ever join us on our Tuesday clubhouses, I love, I mean, it's an open format. It's just, let's talk about porn. And I've had the best clubhouse calls you've had are those that have came on and they just, they actually had questions about it. They might were defending, porn, yeah. wanting to defend porn more. And all we, all I did was ask questions, stay curious and didn't judge. And, and my focus with people sharing about this is there is no, um, when they're here, you know, we've already won by, and winning is a relative term of saying that I just want this person to feel heard. I want them to say, yeah. man, I really enjoy these people. And from that, we've had one guy after want to get a personal call and ask me other questions about things that were faith related that he felt he couldn't have with other people in the church. Cause it was so dogmatic of how they approach things. So yeah, yeah I think the church, there's a lot for them to learn about. Um, I think 2012, a statistic came out where 50% of pastors watched pornography and, uh, yeah. That that's that's pretty that's pretty uh, appalling. And if and if I was a pastor, and let's say let's say more than fifty percent of my congregation was, um, you know, doing heroin, you know, yes, I'd have a I probably would have a message and something very direct to that topic, you know, with within scripture too. So it's funny where the pastor could look out and say, "Wow, literally half or more of my congregation could be right now struggling with pornography," and uh, a lot of times people are afraid to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's interesting. My pastor the other day was talking about how one of the, one of the, you know, sort of criticisms of the church is that, you know, we, or as, or, or criticisms of Christians is we will say that we believe one thing, but we act another way. And the reality is, is that, that that's true because we're, we're human. Right. And yeah. I mean, we can, we can take that all same criticism that. to parenting, to, you know, leadership, to all of those things. You know, I, I run a team of people for work and I often say we need to go do this thing, but I do something different because I'm human and I get tired or I get lazy or, you know, I get distracted and same thing with parenting and all of that. And it's like, you know, part of that is being able to recognize that it's a journey, that it's always a, working towards, you know, being better today than I was yesterday. Right. And I think, I think that, like you mentioned, like the dogmatic piece of it, where it's like, well, you do this thing, so we can't even talk to you or you're not welcome here. And it's like, well, wow, man, if we really flip the script, all of us are guilty of doing some of those things. And I think you won't find anyone who's really anti-pornography or working towards helping people understand the dangers of it. That wasn't um, involved in it at one point, you know, to varying degrees. Yeah. You know? yeah. But I want to talk a little bit about like, what are some of the bigger, you know, reasons, what are some of the real dangers of pornography? And let's just say, cause I think it's pretty dynamic. There's a couple, there's, there's quite a few layers, right. But let's just kind of start with like, um, with your relationship with your marriage, not necessarily you personally, but like yeah. if I came to you and I said, Hey, you know, I'm really struggling here and I'm thinking that this is damaging me. What are some of the areas that you feel like you can, you can really back up with, with statistics or data that, you know, it is harmful for people. I think stats are, are good. And we have them on our Instagram and it's obviously we feel that way, but I'll tell you for relationships, if you really want to get a paradigm shift or understand a perspective, 
Uh, there are some Reddit forums. And by the way, there are also some really bad things on Reddit. So be very careful as you go there. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. Reddit can be extremely toxic. <laughs> there are, um, and by the way, struggle with this, there's a lot of things that are triggering, but you know what? I mean, everything in this world triggers people today. There's a level of fear being like, man, it's scary to trigger people. And, and so we do want to say trigger warnings on things. Like we will, we can yeah. use terms and topics that could trigger people if you're listening. Um, but What's not? I mean, that's again, that's another reason why I did this. We're seeing the show, the movie Cuties come out on Netflix, which was literally promoting child pornography. Uh, the lead actress couldn't watch her own show. Um, that's an issue. Um, we see on Netflix, there was a show we watched where uh, the character was posed as a young camp girl, yet she was a 25 year old actress. So legally, it's okay, but they're showing a naked girl and a sex scene of someone that's posed as like a 15 or 16 year old. That the thematic element of pornography is what they're trying to do. That's why they're selling it. Uh, so relationally, again, you can take that to where it's going. And that's not even, that's, that was on Netflix. Um, so relationally, I'd say, yeah, on Reddit, there's some forums. I think love after porn is a great one. Um, there's a few of them. And I think if it's maybe, maybe I don't want to say to look up porn, but there's a, a few really good ones. Yeah. Um, and when you start reading how these are anonymous forums, so when women post how they really feel without feeling judged, it will, it will break your heart. Um, I mean, because let's say they really do see what their husband's watching and, and husbands are thinking, I'm just doing this habitually compulsively. It's not about that. That's not how women, yeah. that's not how our wives feel. That's not how our spouses feel. They see, yeah. oh my gosh, he's wanting this kind of person. That's not even me. Um, I shared that example with someone recently and she said, it's crazy. You said that. Cause I knew something was weird with my friend cause her skin was really dark. And, um, later I found out that it's cause her husband was watching porn. He was a husband, a Christian man, Christian family, many kids. And, um, she said that he was watching porn of darker skin women. And I wow. mean, that, like if that doesn't just scream out that, and that's the sad part is like, we want people to be okay with this issue yet it's killing the people we love most closest to us. Um, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy to see. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's interesting to me because I, I think a lot of men don't recognize, and it's not just a male problem. There's a lot of females that, that yeah. watch pornography also. And what yeah. I'm, what, so there's like kind of two things that are coming to my mind right now. One of them is that I think a lot of men try to justify, you know, well, you know, biologically we're different. And, you know, there's a lot of books that you can read that will help sort of break down how, you know, men are biologically meant to have, you know, hundreds of children, right? Like there's not, not that we're designed that way, but there's a lot of science behind, the biology of women and how different it is in the biology of men. Right. And, and there's a really great book um, called why beautiful people have more daughters. And it talks about sort of the anthropology of the human biology without really getting into like the emotional connectivity of it all. Um, and it's really fascinating, but I think that we've sort of, if I can say bastardized that reality as a justification for being unemotional and, and for having men who participate in pornography sort of ignoring how it impacts our partners 
or ignoring how it impacts our brains, right? Because it's such an unrealistic viewpoint and we start to kind of believe our own hype, right? We start to expect that in the bedroom from our wife. We start to think that those things are normal when they're not. And it's like, you know, you, to your point, you know, you can go on Reddit or any, any number of places and find studies upon study about how pornography triggers dopamine and the different chemical responses in your brain in a very similar way to like cocaine or heroin and how we can become dependent on that escape and those chemical imbalances where, I mean, almost to the point where you would rather just go watch porn than actually be with your spouse or your partner. Right. There's there's always noticeable, you know, lack of communication, disconnect, feel very disconnected. Um, You know, if you watch the social dilemma and Mm -hmm. you, you just don't think for your head once, man, they could replace Facebook with Pornhub and how scary would that be? That's true. And they're, that's what they're doing. They're, they have enough, they have the money to hire the exact talent of artificial intelligence. They want you on it longer and longer. They don't want you to have more love with your wife. They want you to have more love with the phone and with the screen. And um, yeah, the science behind it. I mean, there's yeah neuroplasticity where, our minds are plastic, not elastic. When when we do something, the neuro pathways, it's like a, it's like a stream that becomes a roaring river. You know, the water, you know, the brain waves are going to keep going that direction, keep going that direction, and it literally imprints in your brain to want to go there. So it is an yeah. addiction. You know, it, it's it's and it's and I I would say I would have to say that I believe I was addicted to say that's actually easy to break because I don't want people to think that I'm making light of it. Once you decide differently, you you want to take that stand. I guess like your once your brain and heart connect, uh, you you really want to be against it. And when you when typically I see people struggle or falter, it's typically when they're not as healthy in those areas. Meaning if they a lot of people that have trouble sleeping, you know, a lot of gamers that are on on the screens a lot, playing video games, are up real late. Uh, they have I actually I can't really say there's a study on it, but there has been Show a lot of guys that have or guys and girls, um, it could lead to that. So yeah, so yes, and you know when you when you start thinking of just the themes and what what are being seen, um, it's not, you know, it, it would affect you. I would I would challenge someone to say, let's imagine a teacher is watching thematic uh, teacher based pornography, you know, teacher and student or whatever, schoolgirl. And uh, that teacher goes to school the next day. Do you really think that he's never thinking once sexually about the kids that he needs to lead and is, and is stewarded with? Yeah. And I think it would be a great challenge to somehow have a anti, you know, a zero tolerance porn rule for teachers and say, yeah, no, like not, we're not just talking about your work computer. We're talking about when you're at home, you know, yeah. what you do at home is going to affect how you are here to yeah. steward our kids. And if you're going to be sexualizing after our children, um, that's an issue. So that's why when you see these cases happen, it, where did the idea come from? You know, it didn't come from pure good. It came from evil. It came from pornography. Yeah. It came from the enemy. Yeah. One of the things that's really tricky about those things is like we live in a country where liberty is so, you know, appreciated and honored and put on this, on this pedal. And, you know, I'm, as a libertarian, I mean, I'm, I'm very much like when in doubt, err on the side of liberty. And this is this is one of a very few areas where it's like 
man, I don't know how to apply the non-aggression principle of a libertarian mindset to, you know, the idea of pornography because they're symbiotic, right? Like, like when we talk about pornography and how it fuels trafficking and all those things, we're talking about like a physical response that typically is always, not always, um, is typically over time having to be increased to get the same desired result, right? Like we start out watching like soft core Cinemax when we're teenagers, right? Or you hear about, you know, guys in the sixties were flipping through the Sears catalog. Cause that was all that they get their hands on, but that was enough to, to stimulate them. And then it becomes something else. And then it's HBO and then it's, you know, uh, a porn hub or whatever it is. And it grows and grows and grows. And then all of a sudden we find out that there's, you know, generally, you know, good ethical, moral human beings who have thousands of child images on their computer. And it's like, well, how did they get there? Right. And it's because somewhere along the, along that arc, nobody, they never spoke about having an issue and they didn't think it was that big of a deal. And, you know, we've all seen the, what the, the Dateline guy, whatever his name, you know, he used to do the, the sting operations. Right. And it's like, well, I wasn't going to really do anything, but they don't know. But I want to, I kind of want to lean in for a second before we get too separated on this, meaning sometimes, you know, like when you put an example of a guy who has child pornography downloaded on his computer, you know, he downloaded that through mainstream pornography. It's not this, this, you know, this, this myth of we're living in this, you know, they have some access to some dark web for some stuff. By the way, I'm sure those places exist um, for sure. And those places are known through um, messaging apps and things like that. And uh, so a lot of the anti-porn movements uh, really want to hold things accountable. I mean, I've, we do some research on, um, you know, child sexual abuse material and it's, it's tough, you know, and even on Amazon, they're selling, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. children of 13 year old, you know, the cover of it was a naked 13 year old. And God, there's no sexual tension that I would have to that. But for a man to see that and have a sexual lust for that. And I, I read the comments of the people that are commenting about this book and the, they wanted it more. They wanted like, yeah. like, oh, like one picture, like the kids just in a room and blah, blah, blah. Like they like, they wish there was more torture. They wish there was more abuse. And I, it was like, I remember that night I was like, baby, that was, uh, it was a little dark. <laughs> I need a little prayer and just, yeah. uh. I mean, it's um, so, and then, and then when we think about pornography, you know, and not only just how it fuels trafficking, there's trafficking in pornography, you know, and that's where mm-hmm. I don't know if there's an oops mistake do over as much as I love forgiveness and I love freedom and liberty in our country. You can't, you can't still be around if you have uh, aided and abetted the, the trafficking of children, the exploitation, you know, 14 year olds are getting raped and then, their videos are uploaded on their site and then downloaded hundreds of thousands of times. There yeah. was a picture I posted that won a, uh, it was an art contest by Exodus Cry. And it and it's this girl's picture and all the comments of what the guy said to about her video of her rape. And it was sick. Um, it, it, it really wakes you up. And I say that, and as if you're listening to this and thinking about it, like that's what's on there, you know, and, and not to yeah. be cognitively dissident about it. I, I don't know. I might've seen something like, I mean, I, I could have seen things like that. You know, we, yeah. we want to attack all the gray areas. You know, someone could then argue, well, what about the people that choose to do porn? There's a lot of stuff we could go there, but there's yeah. just, 
sometimes it's going right to the black and white. They literally have 14 year olds that are trafficked, raped, even younger. They have 10 year olds on there. Yeah. This is where, and, and this is where I get, this is that gray area that I struggle with because you know, I'm not a big fan of like banning X, Y, or Z with consenting adults. Right. Like, I, like sexual interaction amongst adults is fine. And the reality is that I'm, I'm in that same camp though, that like once it crosses it, like we talk about, you know, so-and-so had sex with a minor and it's like, no, so-and-so raped a child. There's a difference. Like when we say sex with a minor, it just makes it sound softer and less, you know, bad it traps that kid i mean (laughs) they then gotta sell the kid that oh you wanted it or else you wanted to that's that's yeah that will root that will try to crush that kid's psyche from the beginning yeah yeah and it's 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 really really hard i mean and so and then you see organizations like pornhub who have had to go through ridiculous amounts of court battles to because they've had 14 year old 15 year old victims come out as adults and say, this is a video that's on your website. That's of me. I'm 14 in this video and it was not consensual and they didn't take it down. And it wasn't until, you know, Visa, MasterCard, American Express all decided, Hey, we're not going to process your credit card payments anymore that they decided to figure it out. Right. And I was blown away when that story broke because one of the things that the, uh, mind geek who's the owner of Pornhub said was if you knew how many videos we had posted every day that we have to go through to try to figure out what's legitimate and what's not they're like it's physically impossible for us to do that and it was like wait a minute you're that that's saying that there's so much content did you see the uh the <laughs> one of our recent Instagram posts about how many moderators they had on staff I didn't know uh, so Facebook has 20,000, uh, YouTube has 15,000 or 10 or 15,000 porn. I've had 20, my, my graphic designer sent back 20,000 thinking I, I made a typo. No, they had two zero. It, wow. it, you know, our hands put up together. That's how many moderators they had to moderate more videos upload on there than YouTube. Than YouTube. Yeah. And YouTube something like a thousand a minute or something like it's some ridiculous number. And these are, these are, these are, these are, these are the moderators yeah. on Facebook and YouTube are moderating for these kind of videos. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's insane how easily accessible, like really dark content can be. And like, you know, I worked with a anti-trafficking organization for a long time and I, I would only be able to do so much for so long before I would have to physically take a break yeah. because mentally, you know, I have eight children from 23 to three. So from 13 and under, I have six kids. So anything that I would read or engage in or start to work on, I would, I would see one of my own kids because I have a three-year-old, I have a five-year-old, I have a nine-year-old, I have an 11 year old. And it was like, I can't share this information without picturing my own child And there's this quote that I've lived by for years that says um, there are two main conditions in life. You have the opportunity. You have, uh, I'm totally butchering this, uh, two primary conditions in life to accept things the way that they are or to accept the responsibility for changing them. And there's so much in this world that I can, I can let slide. But when it comes to like 
this particular area of child sex trafficking. Like it's not something that I could accept. So we had to get involved in helping to try to change it. And in so much of the research that we did and so much of the boots on the ground work that we did, what I saw was that pornography was always a part of the story. In every conversation, pornography led some American sex tourist to get involved or the reason somebody was acting as a trafficker is because there was money to be made by some American, right? Like we're the number one consumers of, of child rape videos in the world. And it, it wasn't something that I could just ignore. And so for me, it's, you know, I'm grateful for your organization. I'm grateful that you guys are doing the work that you're doing because it's, we need more organizations like this and we need more people that are willing to speak out about it. And I know you guys do some great work. So I'd love for you to share, um, you know, before we're out of time, kind of how people can get involved, you know, what, what they can do to support you guys. Um, maybe somebody's listening to this going, Hey, I didn't realize all this was part of, you know, my Saturday night, whatever. <laughs> and is starting to think that maybe they should make some changes. Like where would they start? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, not a question, but just a great opportunity to share just a little bit more um, clearly in what we're doing. And so, and it's easy to see the Instagram and it's easy to see what we're posting because we want to raise awareness, but we're not necessarily fighting, you know, Exodus Cry really is taking to, to Pornhub and, and they were leading this uh, legislative battle. That's not where we are. Uh, I like one-on-one Zoom calls with guys I like getting them into our, you know, getting them with a group of other guys and we want to end pornography one heart at a time. And, um, and that seems kind of crazy because with the amount of cons- consumption of it, uh, but one person that, that changes from it, that sees that tastes the orange, so to say, that really experiences what it's like to the exactly how I felt when I was addicted to pornography to then, you know, just having clear eyes and seeing people as people, like seeing God's children as children, seeing my wife as this amazing woman. Like it's, it's the paradox of the fact that women's empowerment is not them being more vulgar. And uh, you know, you know, like you're saying, wearing the tired dresses and being more sexualized women should be honored and glorified and um, in, in a way that is honoring, you know, the world and, and our God, I'd say. So um, I, I love that you mentioned the women empowerment piece though, because I feel like, I mean, I have six daughters, man, and I want them to be empowered and I want them to use their voice and I want them to feel strong. And sometimes I feel like that movement is, is not presented in a way that's actually empowering them. Like, like there. Yeah is it's and it's such this like dynamic of like you can be strong and beautiful and not overly sexualized because then like i almost feel like you're not even really using your power you're just giving men what you think they really want when you know hey pornography's created that because there's no you don't really know that like when you when you meet your wife like it's uh you know, it's, it's just more than just the physical beauty. I mean, it's just everything about her character, everything about who she is, how she sees herself. I mean, it, yeah. it can be really a beautiful change. The The biggest gift I've been given from T- True Radical Love was thinking that we're going to get all these men to 
be real men and stand against porn, which is so great to see. But honestly, it's to see how women will respond, see women to say, finally, um, you know, like when I was wearing the shirt, they'd always like point to it. I love your shirt. Every per like most people don't want their, everybody doesn't want their spouse watching porn. And, and then that's where like, I like making radical statements where we could then just be curious about it. Cause who really wants that, you know? And, and yeah, it's, it's not empowering them. And so, yeah, to bring it, you know, again, to bring it back, it's, um, you know, we're just, we're just really open, really curious, which is kind of, some people might find that interesting. Like, well, you, well, no, we're like super open. Like we want guys to be able to share. Like when we get together, I do not want people to hop on a zoom call with me for an hour and me to, to talk like we're on a podcast. That's why I go on podcasts. Cause I like to, I like yeah. to talk. I get out of my system. And uh, when they come to a zoom call, I just want to hear them talk. I just want to hear them meet someone new. So we do a lot of breakout rooms where, you know, it's not just a, and we could scale that, you know, the first five minutes we typically get in a breakout room, put someone with someone new and that's scalable. If we have 500 yeah. people, we create 250 breakout rooms. And so right away, every single person is just shared. And by the way, we don't go right to the you know, most difficult question. It's more of sure. a, just a empowering yeah. direction, but it's relationship building. You gotta, you gotta yeah. ease into that. You gotta create trust and, all those things for sure. Yeah. So we, we did realize that it might help to take someone from anonymously having this issue or struggle to then go to a group zoom. Uh, we like to bridge that gap. You know, someone can hop on a call with myself, with Donald, with, um, if you're a woman, you could be on a call with my wife and, uh, and then learn about it. Um, we don't have a women's community yet. We, again, we're just starting out that being shared is that there's a lot of things we're going to do. And, we obviously, as any successful nonprofit, you have to be focused on a specific thing. And we want to, so we have the groups that we want to track, the men's group, and we want to have a expansive volunteer base. I believe that God's made us with gifts and uh, whatever we could see done in our platform, we want to see it through our people. Um, so we could see having 20, 30, 40 volunteers that all have different gifts and different areas that we could be in. And um, we really want our nonprofit to be the people's nonprofit because we found that when people stand against pornography, they they want to run their own nonprofit. And that's like yeah. Kayla and I. So we'd say, hey, come here, you know, volunteer here. Because when you start fighting for others, we start wanting to help other people. Yeah. It just only helps your battle more. Like it only helps you more. Like I run this, my wife and I started this selfishly, you know, <laughs> it just, it, yep. it Yes, maybe it's accountability, maybe it's something there, but it's just the being around it and this type of way uh, just keeps my heart even more grounded. Yeah, that's awesome. I found one of the best ways to just like being of service is just such a gift, you know, and the more that I do it, the more that I want to do it more. Like it's all that I want to do, right? I mean, and I'm curious, like, do you find that you're attracting men to your group? Uh, because like when I started this podcast and I really wanted to focus on helping men to become vulnerable, you know, I have found that for myself, overcoming alcoholism, not smoking, stopping pornography, the things that I've found in my life that were unhealthy and that I've said, okay, I'm not doing this anymore have always taken a really vulnerable moment of admitting how broken I am or admitting how like 
I need help. I can't do this on my own. And so in the 10 or 15 years that I've been doing that work, I've found that now the second I think that I got an issue, I lean into it right away. Like Mm -hmm. I'm very, very resistant to, or it's very outside of my character anymore to like sit back and wait and procrastinate when it comes to like working through my stuff, because I've found that it, I'm always better on the other side. So I started this podcast with the intention of helping other men discover what that looks like. Right. Mm -hmm. But what I found is that the majority of my fan base is female because they (laughs) want their husbands to be this way. Like they're trying to work their way towards getting them there. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, as you guys are doing this, are you finding that like men are coming to you or like wives kind of, pushing them towards you or like, what is that? How's that working for you guys as far as like getting out to your target market? And is that mostly through Instagram? Yeah. Well, yeah, the Instagram, we definitely have a more uh, female audience that probably follows us back comments more, but there are a lot of guys that do. And um, is, I mean, right now it's really word of mouth and you know, the, the money that's donated, we, we, we will spend a, um, further our audience. So it could be through advertising, it could be through, you know, having people post about it, but we do rely on people sharing the story, people seeing it. Hopefully they see, you know, they see one fact or one testimony. It's just like, man, people need to see this and then they can see more of that. But really it's the Instagram is a, um, so just to like catch the eye, catch the interest uh, but where, where the real magic happens is the community that we're, we're forming. Um, so we are actively seeking men to be a part of it. And, and again, typically they find us. Um, That's awesome. It's us having to find them, but we do go out on uh, Sanford. There's a lot of recruiting on Reddit forums of guys that are succeeding. I mean, I'll say we are for, you gotta know who you're for and who you're not for. We're, we're really not for the one that's overly defending pornography. They're not there yet. I mean, they, yeah. and we can, I would love to always want to call with someone and help them. But if I were to say our, our audience are definitely people that struggle with when they know it's not good, they struggle with it and they need community. We are a little different where most, I'll say most anti-pornography forums, at least online, they're, they're big, um, are a lot of self-help programs and, mm-hmm. It's hard to do this on your own. Yeah. And uh, you know what? You could do this on your own and get to 60 days, 90 days. And then sadly, you see sometimes these guys fall. And uh, if they had a community that said, you know what? It's okay. Um, I bet they keep going. But instead, sometimes when they fall, they fall hard and think they can't get past it. Um, So I always encourage people. There's a level of pride that can help. You should have a pride for yourself that you are better than us. Like, seriously, like guys, like, you can beat this. This is not impossible because I've seen so many stories of people that have beaten that. Um, yeah. and you can be that story too. And, um, Oh, it was a flip side to that. <laughs> that I totally was, Oh, uh, struggling with it. Be okay. And then, Oh man, you know, don't edit this just so people know how authentic and real I lost. I had this Amazon package come in and, not went somewhere else. So, um, yes, but in general, you know, if you do fall, it's good to have the community of people that, and sometimes we fall in different ways. Hey, I, yeah, yeah, I totally checked out a girl or something. Like I totally 
looked at someone with different intentions. And like, that's how radical we are. We're not just about, it'd be, we're just not about helping people get away from porn so they could then start looking at Instagram models. That's not our mission. <laughs> right. Right. You don't, you don't replace one with the other, right? Like that's yeah. not the, the idea. Um, yeah. For sure. I get it, man. I think it's a really good place to kind of bring it to a close, you know, yeah. is that the importance of the community of it, the importance of having people. And I think for me, it's always been an accountability factor of not being, um, quiet or not keeping the things that I'm working through like to myself and speaking it out, like and giving people permission to be a part of that journey with you. Like, you know, every, everything that I've had to try to overcome that was a personal demon of mine. It's always been because I went to my wife and I said, I'm struggling with this. I need help. And I've talked to my friends and my community and I've given people permission to like hold me accountable you know, and in some cases that's been my kids, in some cases it's been my partner and in some cases it's been coaches or mentors, you know, but I think that community piece is so vital because you're right. We can't really do it on our own. And it's not enough to just follow people on Instagram. You got to get, you got to like take some action. Yeah. Do some work. Yeah. Yeah. Blow me up. I'm, I'm not at the point where I can't meet with people. And, um, you know, like we do believe in collective wisdom that I don't believe that they need us to get past it they don't need the sage on the stage. They need a guide on the side. And, um, yes. that's, I mean, people like they exactly know what to do. In fact, what they don't want to do is what they got to do. Like meaning some of my friends that they tell their wife every time they falter, which is, you know, it's amazing. And then sometimes when they're winning, I'm like, are you telling your wife you're winning? They're like, no, why, why wouldn't you now? Oh, it's more pressure. Good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I don't want it. Like that's the, if, if you don't want it, you got to actually hate it. So study it. Like, that's why I, it's like, I have to be disgusted with porn so much that I cannot want this in my body at all. Like when you watch like one of those McDonald's documentaries, not to call it McDonald's, but you see like what the beast may have on. Like, yeah, you yeah. really you're like, dude, I, it's not as tasty as it was before. So people got to know like, yeah. And again, other great resources again. Um, we just want to be a megaphone for others. That's why we want to be on their podcast. We want to share their stories, but Fight the New Drug is an amazing company in Utah. Uh, is the probably the biggest part of my journey when I was uh, uh, getting away from pornography. Um, Exodus Cry is an amazing company. And uh, my friend Daryl Mead has the Reward Foundation. My friend Emily Gaudreau, she does How to Raise a Maverick, which is really family and parenting-based. She is nice. phenomenal with that uh, content. So they, there are a lot of nonprofits in our space but we still need more and we're still so abundant in helping each other. So uh, there is a niche in each area. So definitely find them out, check them out. And then I, I would say our niche is to build a community, to have these guys get together. So again, Keith, thank you for uh, you know, having me on here. And uh, you know, I hope maybe, you know, I don't know if, uh, if your direction is having a community or things like that, but if you ever need a you know, guest talk or just someone to yeah. open a room, I'd, I'd love to. Yeah, as as we get ideas and as as you think, um, and we feel there's something needed there, something people need to hear. Um, yeah. So again, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, let us know what you want to hear. You know, I would be shocked if you this hasn't created some level of questions or thoughts, um, and we love to hear them. And uh, maybe that stirs what what thoughts could become from after this. So, um, yeah. again, thank you, Keith. And uh, awesome, man. yeah, look forward to it. Yeah. Cool. Appreciate you, brother.